Hey friends, I'm Becky Davidson, host of the Rising Above Ministries podcast, where we share stories of hope, inspiration, and encouragement from special needs families from around the world. You know, I love getting to connect with special needs families and hearing their stories. And that is why I'm so blessed to get to host this podcast. It's always such a joy to hear from other families and learn more about their journey and their special needs life. And we would love for you to help us spread the word about this podcast so that more and more families can be encouraged. And we would just love it if you would take a few minutes and leave us a rating and review so more and more families can know about this podcast that we have available. And also, if you would just share this podcast with another family who might be blessed from hearing from other families to be reminded that they are not alone on this journey. Now, I cannot wait today to introduce you to Jeff and Emmy Ort. Jeff and Emmy met in the 1990s working together at a camp in the Pennsylvania area that was designed for children, teens, and adults impacted by disability. And they are now in Montana working with a camp very similar called Camp Promise. Jeff and Emmy have seven kids and two of their their sons joined their crew through the route of foster care and have given them the opportunity to learn firsthand 24-7 knowledge of caring for kiddos with both hidden and visible special needs. We had such a great conversation and I know that you're going to love getting to hear about their life in Montana. So here's the conversation I had with Jeff and Emmy Ort. Jeff and Emmy, thank you so much for joining me today for the Rising Above podcast. I am so excited to have this conversation with both of you. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Thank you. Thanks. Um, So, Emmy, you and I, I actually, I heard about you back at By the Brook 2020, because Mm -hmm. when that was the first year that we had gone virtual, and I remember somebody coming to me, I think it was that Friday night of By the Brook saying, we've got a mom all the way in Montana who's who's participating in the event. And you were, I think you had posted, you were at a retreat center and getting to do it by yourself, which was, I'm sure, a huge treat. Yes. So yes. But that's the first time that I heard about you was from uh, By the Brook last year. Yes. And it was kind of fun to see that, oh, there's there's moms I know around the country already that already knew about you, but we hadn't thought to connect, um, connect together in that, in that um, venue or venue. Do you say venue when it's online? I don't well, know. <laughs> yeah. Online venue. We can, Hey, we yeah. can create whatever words we want to in this sure. day and age, you know, sure. so, but yeah. yeah, it was a real blessing. And it came in a time where, you know, we were kind of necessity we, um, demanded that we, be very isolated and yes it was wonderful to be alone <laughs> outside my home and responsibilities but just to be together with others yeah who got it was yeah. really restorative to my soul and um yeah came in uh, God's always timely when he does yeah <laughs> so you were alone but not alone right <laughs> alone right, but had true. lots of mo- 500 plus moms yes, right. joining you so <laughs> Well, Jeff, this is the first time we've actually met, so I'm excited to get to hear from you. Now, we were talking before we started recording, and uh, Emmy is a Southern girl like me. She's from yes. Mississippi. Jeff, you're from, what did you say, New Jersey? I grew up in New Jersey, yes. Grew up in New Jersey, so we're going to try to figure out, you know, this the Southern, this like my Southern draw and, and the mix of you two. This is going to be a great conversation. 
Yeah, I'm a middle person because I kind of like, yeah. you know, chameleon it. <laughs> it's just yes. a typical New Jersey boy, Mississippi girl in Montana. It happens every day, right? There, there you go. <laughs> and I, and in a minute, we're going to uh, share the story of how you all met, but we're going to save that for just a little bit. But I would love okay. for you to share a little bit about your family, where you all live, and okay. share whatever you want us to know about the Ort family. Well, we live in beautiful Northwest Montana up near Glacier National Park. Uh, we have seven children. Uh, five of them share our DNA, and two of them came through us through the foster care system. Uh, it's since been adopted, and uh, those two boys uh, both have some some special needs, and I think that's what we'll be talking about a little bit here. But uh, just uh, our oldest is 21, down to our youngest is se- a second grader. So we have quite quite the age range and quite wow. the um, quite the busy lifestyle. But uh, it's been nice to see the older ones grow and not just the response to, to life, but to foster care. Uh, kids are in and out of the house, but also to their special needs brothers. So. Mm, that's great. And I, I saw a video of um, an air somewhere in your area in Montana. And I, that is one place I've never been before. And it looks beautiful. Hopefully, maybe someday, maybe someday I can, can come put it on visit. the bucket list. Yeah, put that on the, the, the special needs bucket list. We'll see how, we'll see how that one goes. But, you know, so you talked about you all fostered and then adopted. And I would love to know more about that. Your heart behind wanting to foster and then how that led into choosing to adopt these boys. Yeah, and I think one, one verse we often go back to is um, First John is it 419 where it talks about we love because Mm. God first loved us and um yeah I think that's been the motivation sometimes we dig deeper in to the truth of that verse like this year I think I've just had like you know I need to settle on the part about yeah God loved me Mm. (laughs) because I can't give out all this love all this care um outside of really letting that truth resonate Mm. in my heart and um but yeah, I think that sort of was a motivator. Um, God used the verse from James about true religion is, you know, taking care of widows and orphans. And that was kind of the yeah. the challenge that we had. And that kind of led us to get involved in foster care that maybe not technically orphans, but certainly uh, kids with some difficult family situations mm-hmm. and trying to, God challenged us to be involved in that process. So it would have been 11, 11 years ago, we got involved in, in foster care and just kind of just as a, I mean, we were always open to adoption, but we were never um, only going to foster to adopt. We wanted to be involved in, in helping these kids, whether they needed a, a home for a short term or, or long term, or how we could come alongside and wrap around their birth families as well, and hopefully be a, be a, a blessing to their lives as well. But uh, just kind of seeing there was a lot of hurting kids that we wanted to uh, help. I remember when we first went through training, the social workers were, you know, presenting all this information you need to know, like drinking from our fire hose. But we said, you know, we feel like our family, we had worked um, with families touched by special needs for years. And so our children had even grown up in that setting. So we said, you know, like, I feel like we would be a good placement for a child with special needs. And they would say, well, all of our kids have special needs. Oh, wow. And, and I'm like, no, 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 that's not, I don't mean that. I mean, like a child with a specific diagnosis, right. like our kids would be comfortable with that. We would be comfortable with that medical needs, whatever. Well, then as we continued, like, I think God did draw our hearts to see that 
every one of these kids mm. has special needs mm -hmm. and whether it's physical um, or mental or trauma that's affected them deeply, um, mm. their needs um, were special. <laughs> and yes. um, so that we did come to agree with the, those comments that were made to us at the beginning. So you've, you've started fostering, it's two boys, correct? Yeah, 11, 11 years ago. So um, our fourth grader now that we, he's adopted, we've had him since he came home from the NICU as a, as a little baby oh, wow. attached to wires and monitors and everything. And so he's been with us his, his, basically his whole life. And then our, our almost 17 year old boy, he came to us four years ago and he has significant special needs, physical care, wheelchair bound and, and all those things. So, Wow. And so then after you spent time with them, then you were, you felt led to then go through the process of adopting them. What, what was that journey like? Um, it's always, it's always a bittersweet time. You know, it's, it's a closing of one uh, situation for them. I mean, our, our fourth grader, you know, he's, he has some questions and for a while when he was younger, he had a very imaginative life for what his birth family was. He would mm -hmm. say what mom and dad were, who, what they were doing. And, and we knew reality wasn't, wasn't there at all. We weren't certainly weren't going to, um, kind of squash that but uh, <laughs> right. but yeah he kind of had this life and we know there's probably at some point he's gonna want want to know more or, or when he's ready and so uh, so there's that bittersweet ending but also you know we know that uh, they weren't in a place to provide a good good home in the future for mm -hmm. him and so uh, just being able to walk alongside him in, in that whole journey and hopefully have a, have a future prepared for him and and for our older son he was he had been in several placements and when he came to us he was uh but almost 13 year old boy living in a nursing home because that's the only place he could get the care that he needed. And so that's, I mean, even though his, he has some significant special needs and learning limitations, I mean, you know, nursing home, as good as it might be and wonderful people there, there's no place for a 13 year old boy. And so it was pretty obvious that, you know, we were, and I guess when I, um, when the need was first presented to me and I was, you know, I, I thought we were, we were done fostering. We, we, we were at a place where our family was in a good spot and we were going to serve who we were going to serve. And so I told the people, I'll be, I'll be praying for just the right placement. And then as soon as I made that need known to Emmy, she was like, I think we're that placement. And <laughs> I picked my job off the floor and then yeah, realized yeah. that, and it, then, it, then it became pretty clear that we were the right home for him. Mm, how sweet. How and I sweet. think that that's been a beautiful um Part of the journey and i'm not saying that there's not days you're weary and broken but um to see like god grow our children in compassion mm -hmm. for one another whether right. it's our son who needs his every personal care need met by others or our son who's having a meltdown and needs space to finish that meltdown um it's given all of us growth and and a grace-filled lens I say I need right. to put on the grace-filled lens for others around me um and so that's been a blessing to watch um each of our children even our even our son um with those hidden special needs like he has an opportunity to serve his brother who needs, you know, it just, it's been a beautiful part of, um, of that journey for, for us, I think, to see, to see that grow. Yeah. Well, you know, 
most of us, we either have a child who has a visible disability, like my son. Mm-hmm. You know, when you see my son, he's in a wheelchair. It's very obvious that my son has profound special needs. Uh, and then there's other families who have children who have what we what we call hidden disabilities, where, where you wouldn't necessarily look at a child and know that they had some unique needs that needed to be met. You know, I've often said for, for me, I feel like I get so much more grace with my situation when I'm out and about, because it's very obvious and people are generally more kind and compassionate where my friends who maybe have children on the autism spectrum or, you know, another hidden disability, they don't get that kind of grace that we do. And so just based on our conversation, you have both of those situations. You have a child who mm-hmm. it's very obvious they have special needs. And then you have a child who maybe has more hidden needs. What does that look like in your world? And then how have you have, what are some of the experiences you have faced out in the, you know, in the world when you've been out as a family? Yeah, I think that's kind of where my heart breaks for our for our younger boy, because our, our older one, he's 17, he had a traumatic brain injury when he was an infant. And so his, his again, very obvious, as you said, a brain injury, but our younger son with fetal alcohol syndrome, spectrum disorder, you know, it's still brain damage. It was brain that didn't develop properly in utero because of mom's alcohol and opiate use. And so, again, it's it's brain damage nonetheless. And yet it's not, you're right, it's, it's invisible. You don't see it on the surface. And so when he has a meltdown or, you know, things are, are you know, he's having those big feelings, people just assume, well, that, that boy needs a timeout or a spanking or whatever oh, it might yeah. be. And so you know, they don't, people don't see that as, as brain damage or as brain dysfunction at, at, as it is. And because they don't see, you know, he's not in a wheelchair, he doesn't have these physical care needs. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of hard, you know, so sometimes my heart breaks for him is that people don't give him that grace. You know, if, mm-hmm. if our older son is really loud or upset or, or something's not right and people look at him as in his wheelchair and they rally and they, they want to try to cheer him up and bring a smile to his face. But our younger boy is not like that. There's more of the avoidance and I don't know what to do in this situation. I don't, I don't know why he's doing it. He just looks like he's misbehaving. And so he doesn't get that same kind of rallying around sometimes. So. And I think when I just think on that difference, like I feel like I could compare it to kind of like you said, giving rallying, but for our older son with visible needs, there's a curiosity often. Yes. That yeah. and and a grace that kind of woo just mm-hmm. lifts up the situation. And with our other son, it feels and sadly <laughs> sometimes from Christian circles, mm-hmm. which hurts even more. <laughs> but like it feels like judgment and it feels mm-hmm. oppressive and secluding and where so it um and and I guess like as a challenge as a parent um is just like I how do I graciously advocate Mm -hmm. for both of my sons and um how do I help them make healthy safe connections um with people um and it requires discernment. Like I think sometimes, oh, we'll try that setting, and well, maybe that wasn't safe. And I, I don't want to have to try too many of those. Right. Um, you know, for our older son, it would be a, you know, a physically unsafe 
situation, you know, and you can sometimes discern those things better than um, something that's going to cause emotional hurt or, you know, things he repeats. He repeats that. Well, we all do, you know, like we all have those things that were said to us that we, but he's already starting at a place Mm -hmm. that's hard. And when those things are repeated on his little heart, rather than grace and building up and it breaks in mama's heart. Yeah. 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 And I, I get, it is just kind of continuing to share truth in meaningful ways when you can do it without getting upset at the situation. Because sometimes, I mean, we had a dollar for every time we got parenting advice when our son was acting out, we'd be be retired by now, that kind of thing. So it's like, you know, they think, oh, I see this child's behavior. I'm going to give you some advice on how to deal with that when they don't know, again, they don't see the, the, you know, so, um, I mean, even if you were in a store and saw a neurotypical child having one of those days where they just were tantrum, they wanted the toy, whatever it might be, you would very rarely offer that parent advice in a situation. And so, but, you know, I mean, I mean maybe it's not strangers, but they're oftentimes people want to, you know, they think they're being loving or gracious and say, I want to help this family, but they don't understand the situation. And, you know, it's not, we're not trying to fix him. We're trying to help him, you know, thrive in life. And so this is how we wrap around and, and, you know, and people don't understand that you can't, you can't correct in the moment, you know, if he's, if he's off, he, I mean, he's, 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 he's gone, he's off the deep end. You've got to just gently bring him back to where he can receive instruction or can, can, can receive forgiveness or whatever, whatever it might be. And so, you know, the world sometimes thinks you deal with it right there and, you, you know, whether it's a, whatever it might be, let's end his behavior. And, you know, that, that may stop it for a minute, but it's going to go back. It can make you go backwards in the long run. Yeah. Well, you have seven kids. Oh my goodness. That is a house full. Uh, and you know, you've got your two boys who have special needs, different, different needs that you Mm -hmm. are helping them with. So how in the world do you manage and juggle your life, your kids working, all the things that you have on your plate? What are some things you've done to manage that and, and how have you gone about finding people to come alongside and help support you and journey, you know, go on this journey with you um, as you're raising your children with special needs and your neurotypical kids? I think this is certainly a topic we're growing in. <laughs> um, and one of those where I felt even when you ask us to come and chat with you, I was like, oh, my goodness, I feel like we're at a place where we're we're certainly not arrived, like Paul says, we're pressing on and, um, but we've been gleaning a lot from others who are farther along this journey than we are. Um, and many in your ministry included in that. And, um, so I feel like we're still definitely learning. Um, but one really big thing I think that hit me this year was that I had expectations that, my circle, whatever it looked like, friend circle, church circle, whatever, they were going to meet everything. (laughs) They were going to rise to it. They were going to jump on board and they were going to meet every need I had, which sometimes I didn't even know what it was. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't communicate to them what I needed. (laughs) And, and I just, I think I've come to realize, well, about myself, 
I am finite. I am not God. Imagine that. Like, <laughs> like I can't do it all. And neither can that one friend. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and just being so learning to be grateful for the ways they do wrap around, you know, mm-hmm. oh, well, I can identify that friend. She's my friend to take a walk with and let my heart out with, but she might not be the friend that's going to come give me respite and change, you know, shave my son's face. Like, you know, and it's okay. I, I don't need to expect everything from everyone. So just learning to recognize what, what that friendship or support circle is able to provide if they don't know but you recognize they have some giftedness to meet that need, then ask. But, um, we're kind of weary of asking sometimes. Mm-hmm. And but, sometimes it's just letting letting go of those expectations. You know, they, this friend I have a history with, we've done all these great things in our past. We've had these enjoyable times together. So now that we've entered this journey of foster care or we have a special needs child, now they're going to continue that journey with us in every way that we expect them to. And so sometimes you're just being, you know, this is the me they need. Or we have neighbors now that are pretty regular coming over weekends and playing board games and just, you know, being crazy in their house. And so there's not a, you know, they've been very gracious to our to our sons, but it's just having that that outlet just to have fun with people that are willing to come into your chaotic home and, and just enjoy uh, being with you. So sometimes it's just a finding what's there and and allowing people to 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 serve in ways that are comfortable for them and and the big family for us is a, the positive side of it is a lot of a lot of other helpers in the house and so <laughs> that's one thing we we had tried to do whether it was foster care or whenever a child came into our home at short-term placement or the boys that we adopted is is to to have to talk to the kids ahead of time and say you know this is what mom and dad are thinking this is where we we feel led to do and this is what it might do for our family and so um, because the kids have been, of course, they grew up going to church with people with special needs. So that, that world was familiar with to them. And then um, all those um, other opportunities, you know, it, it became a family decision, a family thing that everybody was involved in. And so when the when the tough days and the things that, that happened that you weren't sure you were signing up for, at least they, you know, it wasn't a surprise to anyone. And so they've been more than, you know, they've been great to pick up that slack and to be able to to, to have those times to to, you know, when our son was having big feelings and maybe it wasn't safe, some of the other kids would go and take the other ones and, and do something off somewhere and they could entertain or, or, you know, have those times to connect while we were dealing with the hard stuff. So. Yeah. yeah, and I think part of the support too for um, our neurotypical kids um, has been, like we couldn't go to every soccer game and we couldn't go on hikes very like everything's a production <laughs> and sometimes there's not energy to put on a production and um to say you know hey could you go cheer on the sideline or sometimes i didn't even have to ask there was a time or two like oh we did get to that play our son was in and there were some people there that we knew I'm like oh who did you know didn't well we just came to cheer on your son like um, you know they took the initiative to be that because we couldn't be everywhere and um and then just you know if uh, taking other kids on play dates or 
to the lake when your kid went or, and I even think of, I just love how generational, you know, there's different things people can provide. Like, you know, the, the retired couple who said the 10 pound bag of potatoes was cheaper than the five pound bag, but we can't eat all that. So we took what we could and we dropped the rest off on your porch. Like, or the woman who said the tomatoes are coming out my ears in my garden. Can I bring them to you? Do you like to make salsa? And I was like, um, I don't make salsa, but I love to eat it. And she's like, well, I love to make it too. So do you have any jar lids? I'll make it and drop it up. You know, like just, and, and I think that's key to my sanity and my hope is that to do that, looking back on how God has been faithful um, in those little things that he does so regularly provide and um, that does buoy you on <laughs> for the next. Yeah. And it's, again, it's those expectations, just letting go of if they cared about us, they would fill in the blank where yeah. look and say, they did this, therefore we know that they care about us. Mm-hmm. And, and I love what you said there about the expectations, because I think that is something for everyone, not just special needs families, but, yeah. you know, we get, we get these expectations in our head of what we think things are supposed to look like, or what we think people should automatically know what yeah. to do, especially family members, you know, to come alongside right. and help us. And yet, you know, when, when, then when those expectations are not met, then, you know, right. our hopes are dashed and we get, in this, yeah, we get in <laughs> yeah. this place of anger. And, but then right. I think that's great in me about taking it and looking and going, no, but look, they brought me tomatoes or mm-hmm. they, they saw us. I think so often we, especially these yeah. families, we just want to be seen. Yeah. And so you can go back and look at that and remember those times that those people, they did come alongside you, maybe not in the way you were expecting them to, but they were there. Yeah. 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 Right. So, yeah, like I said, I mean, sometimes you have to speak up if there's a real difficult need that isn't being met. Like, I think there's a time where like, we haven't sat together to hear a sermon or worship for, I don't know how long. And, and once we shared that, then people came along so hey I'll sit with your son so you can do that and yeah so sometimes you do have to speak up but um and there there is a little bit of a I don't know if it, I don't know what to call it receiving fatigue I'm not sure because you, uh, you, sometimes yeah. you feel you're the special needs family in the church and so people That's do a lot true. of things for you it seems like you're getting more than other people in the pews and so somebody mm-hmm. else that may be struggling to connect Maybe isn't getting what you do because you have this. I mean, even though it never yeah. feels like enough, sometimes sometimes you feel like, oh, mm-hmm. they've done this or they made this, you know, special room we can go in when he's loud or whatever it might be. You see what has been done, and then it's like, oh, how can we ask for one more thing? And yet, you know, there's it just you know really, this is what we need to be a vibrant part of the church. And so you know, there's, we you know, we maybe didn't know this need a year ago, but now this is something that we need as as yeah. the as he grows. And so, but. And I think part of what gives me peace to keep asking sometimes has been if we build this, others can, Mm. you know, if we speak up, then this need could be met for another family coming Mm. along, coming through this (laughs) place, whatever place that is. And um, yeah, 
So that, that keeps you going sometimes too. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Well, now I know that you two met at a camp back in what, 1990, in the 1990s? 93 or two was our first year we camp together. Yeah. Okay. So I would yeah. love to hear this story of how you <laughs> met and a little bit about the camp and, you know, the, and, and how that was kind of the, the start of your journey right. as special needs parents. So tell us about mm-hmm. camp. I would love to know about your experience. Yeah. Well, that's been the, the I guess the start of that's been the joy is that we kind of had a, we we're, we we're pulling in the same direction before we met. So we kind of had the same kind of ministry goals. And so that was a, a blessing to already have a, uh, a vision that was similar before you kind of come together. But um, hers was a little bit clearer than mine, but I went through, I, I dropped out of college first in nineties. I was a draftsman in a civil engineering firm for several years back in the days of pencil and paper before CAD and uh, uh, got in the early nineties, I guess in the, yeah, 1990, I went and was part of a missions trip clean up from hurricane Hugo in the Caribbean. And uh, during that uh, kind of told God I was going to go back to Bible college and go into full-time ministry. At that point I was planning to go overseas mission somewhere Um but when I got in, in college, I got involved with work with people with special needs. I, I got involved in a, in a, in a uh, it was a lockdown facility. So it was a, kind of a jail, kind of a group home for, for men with special needs that had been convicted of some kind of petty larceny or sexual offense. But because of their dis- disability, they didn't want to put them in a general prison population. So they had a, a lockdown unit at a state facility. And I did a Bible study with those men on Sunday after afternoons. And that was my first taste of ministry of people with special needs and kind of God got a hold of me. And by the time I was done with college, I was looking to get involved in some kind of work with people with special needs. And uh, my faculty advisor in that ministry had worked for, a, a, before she came to the Obama College, worked for a ministry at, outside of Philadelphia. And so I, I kind of did a summer there as a, as a summer camp counselor for two weeks. And turns out that they started their summer at the camp I grew up going to as, as a kid myself. So I did a couple weeks with that camp and then stayed on and was a counselor for the camp I knew uh, for several years. And by the time I graduated, joined that ministry full-time as their program director for a summer camp there in the, in the Philadelphia area. And, and, and we was led to the same, same camp uh, in a little different way. So I'll let her. Yeah. So I, um, yeah, kinda, I came to know the Lord early in life. I was about eight and I didn't have, um, you know, a family member, with special needs or any like reason God would point me that direction necessarily, but um, he certainly made me and he called me his own and put a very unique burden on my heart. So um, in high school, I started going to this camp in the summers to um, be on their staff um, there and then yeah, just continued again. God just very direct, directly sent me there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, yeah, it became a real joy. I mean, I think my heart was to, you know, I didn't want to do therapy. I tried it all out. You know, I, I observed the different careers, right. <laughs> physical therapist, you know, a sign language interpreter. I was like, you know, I think I just want to play for a living. So, <laughs> so <laughs> camping it was. <laughs> So, and it, it was a a neat opportunity to to serve and, and grow. I think some really neat, we've been thinking about this a lot lately about how God has used individuals with special needs in our lives throughout the years to, um, to teach us more about who he is, to grow us in our faith. And 
um, some of those opportunities there um, at Handy Camp in Pennsylvania were um, just really re revolutionary to my spiritual walk. And one of those instances was a young lady, we in the girl's cabin, we would have a little prayer time before bed. And I was this like good Christian girl who knew all the language to use when I was praying, you know, I had big long had words. Had it all like, figured out. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, and um, we sat around and when it came to her turn to pray, she talked to Jesus like he was sitting right there beside her and he was her best friend. And I almost snickered and I was instantly <laughs> broken because I thought that's what I want. Mm. Like, that's the relationship I want with God. I don't want the showy thing I have. And um, so that was a huge just really changed my heart towards God and towards my walk with him. Um, and he used her to her prayer life, her love for God to impact mine. And um, yeah, that was, and, and I think ongoing, even when I think of our sons and um, how our son whose cognitive age is 18 months old or whatever, like he finds joy in simple things and he, yeah, that's, that's been huge. And our son who struggles with his behaviors, like he is so quick to make repair. How often do I string out and yeah. not want to go back and make things right with family members or, or friends or, um, so yeah, like just the God is so faithful to to use others, <laughs> peers, our children, <laughs> our special needs community to um, bring about great great change in us. <laughs> so no. camping that was kind of off the camping trail, but yeah. but certainly with the I mean God's used that in our life to play no, and have fun, but play also play and have fun. Yeah. <laughs> And well, I, now you're I, at a new camp now, right? You're at a different camp than the one that you were in the Pennsylvania right. area. So tell us a little bit about, you're still our camping Emmy, right? You still, you still yes. love. <laughs> a little bit. I don't know. My home bed found yeah, exactly. more inviting lately. There you go. <laughs> so tell us about the camp where you guys are right now. Sorry. In 2003, we, uh, we moved here to Montana so that uh, our co-workers in Pennsylvania had come out here to Montana in 1990 to help start a camp called Camp Promise. So at that point, there was a kind of a partnership there. There was a man that would come down from Canada. He had a daughter with special needs, was looking for an opportunity to have a summer camp for people with special needs. And Big Sky Bible Camp here kind of had a similar vision to start something. And so they got together and our, our co co-workers, long before they were our co-workers, came out and started helping them get Camp Promise started here. Uh, by the time 2003, we had been in Pennsylvania and probably serving, I think, eight or nine years there full time. And and uh, the founding director was looking to retire. And so it came to us at, a, at a, one of our staff retreats that it was the opportunity was presented. You know, we need somebody to pray for the new directors of Camp Promise out there in Montana. And so, again, we began to pray for who that might be and not knowing at the time it was going to be us that was going to be the answer to that prayer. And so we came out. Uh, September of 2002 to kind of see and meet meet the meet people and and uh, just seemed to be a good fit. They had a they had a dream for a, a vision for a kind of a full time year round facility for that will focus on reaching people with special needs and their families and 
and we had a similar vision. So there was, there was a mesh there. And, and uh, so we, we took over the directing Camp Promise in the summer of 2000, 2003. We worked side by side with the founding director and then has been director since 2004. So uh, we've seen some expansion in that ministry. Montana is, is a beautiful place, and it's, but it's not, but uh, people are willing to drive a little bit. So our draw for campers from, from Spokane to the east to Great Falls to the west from 500 miles in any direction, people will come because there's not a, not a Christian camp for kids with special needs in that area. So even though there's not a whole lot of people here in the, our part of Montana, people are willing to drive for our program. So we've seen it expand and grow. And, and uh, just over the past few years, actually starting to make those plans to have a full-time facility. And those, that facility is uh, in the planning stages and ready to start construction. And hopefully in the next few years, we'll be able to have that full, full facility that Camp Promise could expand. So then um, Big Sky Bible Camp, our, our, our parent camp, and Camp Promise could run side by side and we could actually have more more weeks of camp for kids with special needs and hopefully even retreats throughout the year for families and parents and kind of be able to, to kind of um, support people in, in more ways. That's great. And we will uh, be sure to include in the show notes a link to to the camp. So if people want to look at look into that and if they maybe you're in that part of the country, they might be interested in that. And so we'll be sure to put the, the link in the show notes so people can check that out if they want to. Now you all have done, you've been p- kind of part of our rising above family for a little over a year now, I guess. Mm-hmm. And you have done lots of different events with us, which I think is just so amazing because, you know, when we started rising above back 15 years ago, 16 years ago, we were, we thought, okay, we're going to just minister to families here in the Putnam County area of Tennessee where mm-hmm. I live. And yet we have seen the ministry just expand and grow uh, since we've gone to a virtual format. And you're one of the families who are now a part of our family, which I think mm-hmm. is beautiful. Mm-hmm. So share a little bit about some of the different things your family has participated in with us, even though you are thousands of miles away right. from, <laughs> from where I'm sitting right now right. in Tennessee. Well, and I think you can tell we like to play and and usually be social. <laughs> um, and so I think, especially over this last year, that that met a big need in our hearts. And um, you know, having and I think too, you know, I even though we had worked with families touched by special needs, I we were kind of in a leadership position, and I didn't have a lot of moms that, that I had connected to as a mom. And so I'm working on building those more, but I think it was helpful to like, oh, the, you know, I can go straight deep with, (laughs) with the folks here at Rising Above, um, you know, with the retreat or um, Jeff and I did one of the couples Bible studies um, online. And, you know, we could quickly jump to, the heart of the matter. <laughs> and I think one yeah. of the first things we did as a family, I think Emmy signed us up for one of the virtual dance parties, I think it was. It was and, ball, uh, yeah. I was, <laughs> I was a little skeptical about going into a person like, how are they going to do this on their TV and our family in costumes and in the living room? <laughs> how is this going to work? But it was a really fun night. Yeah. So even you know, everybody that was home participated and uh, one of our older sons came home and he was there with us as well. So it was a it was a fun, enjoyable time to be silly together in the living room and, and see other people doing the same on, on the TV screen. That's so it was, it was a fun night. Well, we're glad you all have found us 
because yeah, yeah, uh, it's sure. just, it's been so fascinating and so fun for us to disconnect with families from literally around the world. And I never in a million years would have dreamed uh-huh. that we would be, you know, I would be having a conversation with the Ort family in Montana. I, <laughs> I, I love it. So, well, and I think too, how you go through seasons where, you know, we were hungry for activities or social time and that met that need and Bible studies, you know, we couldn't go to Sunday school. And so that met, you know, that filled that void for us. And and now like we haven't signed up for a whole lot of like, you know, time committed things, but I do the dishes and I listen to the Wednesday wake up. I mean, like you go through seasons where you, you know, need this or you, and y'all are filling a lot of those seasons <laughs> needs for us. So I'm so glad. Yeah, and I think Emily touched on a little bit ago is that, you know, for a while, because we were directors of Camp Promise, we work with people with special needs for over 20, 25 years. And so, again, you became like a go-to person. Somebody in church has a question, they, <clears throat> they would ask us, or we know somebody that's going through this, and so they would come to us. And so then as we welcome people, boys with special needs in our family, it, it became a different thing. And we had to, we had to be willing to transition from the, the go-to person to the into the to the go out person because we now we're we're dealing with things that you know instead of being an academic exercise that here's this person with spe- special needs this is 24 7 now and and so you seek people that are in that world not just that can can give you academic advice but that understand the the days of without sleep or whatever it might be they they kind of understand from a different perspective and so that's been uh, that lived experience is only one way to get it <laughs> That is true. That that those sleepless nights, you, you have to go through that to actually understand what another family is, is talking about. But well, yeah. Jeff and Emmy, thank you both so much for giving up your time today to have this conversation. I have so enjoyed getting to hear more about your story and hear about your family. And oh, how I would love to someday end up getting to make a trip, calling you and saying, I'm coming to Montana. Yeah, I would love that. I would love that. The welcome mat is out. I, I, I accept it. I will gladly cross over that welcome mat. So, but thank you all so much. And um, we're just so grateful for your family. Thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. I so loved that conversation that I had with Jeff and Emmy Ort. And I hope that you are inspired and encouraged by their story, just like I was. And I wanted to let you know that we're going to be taking a short break for the month of July with the Rising Above podcast, but we will be back in August with more inspiring stories from other special needs families from around the world. So be sure to join us back here in August. Now, we're still going to be able to connect with you each and every week through our Rising Above app with weekly encouragement designed just for you. So if you haven't done so already, be sure to download the free Rising Above app. You can find it in the App Store or through Google Play. So be sure to download that so that we can connect with you all throughout the summer. So thank you so much for listening and we will be back with you the 1st of August. Thank you for listening to the Rising Above Ministries podcast. If you like what you hear, please take a minute to leave us a rating and review. This helps others like you find our content more easily. You can learn more about how Rising Above Ministries is encouraging the special needs community by checking out our website at risingaboveministries.org or by finding us on Facebook and Instagram. 
We look forward to connecting with you.